Building influence is a learned skill. It's an investment that you can make in yourself. Having more influence can hold the keys to helping you achieve your dreams and to having the life and the impact that you hope to have. I'm your host, Laura Cox Kaplan. I'm delighted that you're here and that you're making this important investment of time in yourself. Hey friend, welcome to She Said, She Said podcast. This is episode 274. You know, I was thinking the other day about the importance of being intentional with the people that we choose to spend our time with. I don't know about you, but I often find that I don't have nearly as much time as I would like to spend with my girlfriends. And while I don't need an excuse, if you're anything like me, it can be helpful to have a reminder of the power of these relationships and of the importance of continuing to build our personal and professional networks in ways that support us, not just personally, but professionally as well. This week's conversation will give you lots of inspiration for not just hosting those gatherings with your best pals and collaborators, but also a lot of inspiration from an incredibly talented and very thoughtful entrepreneur who is literally killing it in the sparkling wine arena. Jen Pelka is my guest today, and she is the co-founder of sparkling wine company Un Femme. Now, Un Femme is a collection of women-made wines that give back to charities that benefit women. And it is inspired by a dream team of incredible women Women, including Jen. A few areas that I want to highlight in today's conversation. First, take note of how Jen talks about developing her skills as a storyteller and how those skills ultimately translate into, among other things, how she communicates with her investors. So interesting. Also note the way that she talks about transferable skills and note that Her career has gone from PR company founder to wine bar founder to sparkling wine founder. It's really interesting to hear and learn about her career trajectory. And then I would highlight also her commitment to creating opportunities where women in particular can gather and celebrate and collaborate. When we think about our why and the importance of having a clear set of values and a clear mission in our life and in our companies and in our businesses, Jen's focus in this area really spoke to me, and I think it will to you too. Friend, if you're looking for an excuse to celebrate your gal pals this holiday, I think this conversation is the perfect Kickstarter. Plus, it will give you lots of creative and entrepreneurial inspiration as well. Here is my conversation with Unfem co-founder, Jen Pelka. Jen, welcome to She Said, She Said. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have you and delighted to see you again. We had an opportunity to get to know each other. Um, You were kind enough to sponsor an event that I was part of, the Policy Circle, recently, uh, which gave you know us an opportunity to really enjoy Unfem. I have been a big fan of the brand now for oh probably over a year, and love what you're doing. But if you would, let's start by talking about Unfem 
what it is, sort of how you created it. Talk a little bit about your journey. Sure. So Unfemme is a line of champagne and sparkling wines made all by women winemakers. And all of the wines also give back to charities that benefit women. And I started the company, um, I co-founded it actually with my brother um, because we had two champagne bars, one in San Francisco and one in New York in the West Village. And all of our investors um, at those bars were women. And so that became a big part of our story, our community building. Um, and it really, the, the bars became a central place for women to get together to toast to life's milestones, big and small, you know, Tuesday night or um, a wedding or a divorce or a promotion, all of those kinds of things. And um, we had hundreds of champagnes by the bottle, dozens by the glass. And a lot of times our guests would walk in and say, like, I don't know how to pick. You pick for me. And so we tried to find fun and interesting ways for people to get into the menu. And we started featuring women-made wines. Um, and those wines outsold everything else on the menu. Mm -hmm. And I realized that a lot of women in our community wanted to buy um, wines made by women just in the same way that they want to support women and causes they care about in all kinds of purchases that they're making. And women obviously have so much power of the purse at this point. And um, we decided to launch a brand that was all about women made and women supported because there just wasn't one in the market. And we launched Unfemme with a really beautiful champagne, a very small production, organic grower-producer champagne made by an amazing fifth-generation winemaker, Julie Medvi from Champagne. And we launched that just as our house wine at the Riddler. It was like mm -hmm. the wine that we would pour as a welcome for our VIP guests. Um, and it was incredibly popular. And then we realized when we were looking at sort of all the data and the sales reports and just kind of gut checking that our top selling wine was always whatever was the most affordable sparkling rosé by the glass. Hmm. And it didn't really matter where it was from or what the flavor profile was, just women were getting together and drinking sparkling rosé all day and all night. And I was like, <laughs> let's do a sparkling rosé from California. And so I reached out to one of my favorite California producers, um, Samantha Sheehan, who makes Poe and Ultraviolet, a bunch of really, really amazing wine labels, and um, teamed up with her for the first release of our California sparkling rosé called the Cali. And that's the wine that really took off. Um, we now really have two flagship wines, the Cali, which is a new version of this sparkling rosé, and then a sparkling white wine from Northern California as well. Um, and we are always looking to launch new projects and new wines. But those are the two wines that um, you can find sort of all across the U.S. at this point and that we're super proud of as our like benchmark flagship wines. Yeah. You, you mentioned with, with the wine bars. So, so the Riddler was, the, these were two bars that you had locations in New York and San Francisco, yep. right? And um, so with those, you mentioned that they really attracted a lot of women and a lot of women investors. Was that intentional on your part or was that just how it sort of evolved? The investor side of it started out as, as 
an accident and then became a real part of our mission. So our lead investor is a woman who I knew around town. Um, I think you might actually know her. Uh, we knew her around town as Champagne <laughs> Pam. And she's just a woman who's incredibly fabulous, very, very glamorous, really beautiful, always decked from head to toe in Chanel and Louboutins and just like so on point. And she and my husband were friends because he was the beverage director at a restaurant called RN74. And she would come in, she would always have this beautiful corner booth and she would order incredible champagnes. She just has impeccable taste. So I knew her sort of through the food and wine world in San Francisco. She and I were talking very early on and she wanted to do a champagne bar. So we teamed up on it. And she was our first backer and our certainly our most significant investor. Um, she's been along with us for our second location. And now she's a, a, one of our most significant investors in Unfem. Um, and because she was our first one in, then I started talking to other women just in my network. I just really, I pulled together a spreadsheet of anybody I knew who might have $5,000 or more. And almost all of them were women because that was just who I was friends with. Right. And my husband said, wait, what if you do just women? And I was like, oh, what if we do just women? And this was like, I don't know, this was probably seven or eight years ago. So this uh -huh. was before lots of people were, you know, a lot of people were retail investors, but not that many people were angel investors and certainly right. not that many women I knew. I didn't know right. anybody right. who was participating in SPVs, like the crypto stuff hadn't happened yet. So I um, literally put together this spreadsheet, um, went through my phone, went through my emails and reached out to all of them, like really any of them that I thought might be a fit. I got together with them for drinks, talked to them about, oh my gosh, what are you up to? What's new? What's happening? And then near the end, they'd be like, wait, wait, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, oh yeah, I'm opening a champagne bar and uh, we're only accepting investment from women. Um, minimum check size is $5,000. And we've already got half of it committed because Pam had committed more than half the money. So it was a nice way to start. And almost every single woman who I met with was like, oh, $5,000. Yeah, I'm in. Sign me up. And some put in a lot more than that. Um, and so our first location, we had 33 investors. And then our second location in New York, which was a much more expensive build out, we had 40 investors, um, a lot of bigger check sizes because we had a good track record. And um, that became a, a through line in all of our press coverage, all of our community building. We talked about it on social media. We did events for these women um, and they would always have you know VIP treatment when they would come in. And they would also bring a lot of their girlfriends. They would host events for women and we would host a lot of events for um, female-focused charities. And as a result of this, we also were able to attract an incredible staff of very, very talented, mostly women. Um, mm -hmm. Our chef was a woman, our director of operations, our beverage director, they were all women. And um, we also had a lot of guys who were just like cool and into it and were a part of it. Um, but yeah. on a typical night, you would walk into the dining room and at least 80% of our guests were women. Amazing. And amazing. it was like such a powerful, amazing community of women in their 20s all the way up to their like 80s and 90s. And it really meant something to a lot of these women. And I still get like stopped by people if they find out that I ran the Riddler or if they recognize me just saying, oh my gosh, the Riddler was such a magical place. It meant so, so much to me and my friends. We celebrated my bachelorette, my baby shower, my 
wedding, my, you know, and then also just ritualized coming on like a Tuesday night. And so yeah. we really wanted that spirit to live on in Unfem. And um, that's what we're all about there is women supporting women. Um, as I mentioned, my co-founder is my brother mm-hmm. and um, he is all in on supporting women and um, he sees the power of the community. And um, and I think it's been pretty eye-opening and interesting to him to see how powerful a network of women supporting each other can be. He's 28 and lives in New York. Oh, he just turned 29. Uh, <laughs> about to get into his 30s. But he, um, I think he finds it pretty intriguing and really powerful. And he's yeah. really proud to be a part of it. And I'm so grateful for him that he's um, he's in it with me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've been talking about the Riddler in the past tense. And I don't think we've mentioned the fact that you know, COVID hit. I mean, this happened to a lot of businesses, but maybe talk us through, um, it did not survive, but you know, the, the, you know, the, the story as it goes on is that actually it created this amazing opportunity. So maybe talk about that pivot, Jen, that had to be very painful, especially given the beautiful way that you've described the Riddler and what it meant not only to you, but to this whole community that you had built. Maybe talk a little bit about dealing with the loss of that, and then pivoting that into something new. It was a very, very hard decision, but it was also just such an obvious business decision. We we really didn't have another choice. Um, we had the two locations, and because we were cross-country, um, I didn't want to fly between San Francisco and um in New York at the time. New York also, as we all remember, was by far the hardest hit of all the cities and was hit the earliest. Mm-hmm. And we had team members who did not want to come back to work, didn't feel safe. Um, I mean, New York at the time, we kind of forget this stuff, but New York was really grim. Like there were, you know, like almost, you know, there were ambulances constantly. There were like, uh, refrigerated trucks around, you know, it was a right. bad, 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 really hard time in New York in particular. And so our, I, we didn't feel that it was appropriate to ask our New York team to come back to work if we weren't going to have management and leadership presence there on the floor. So we temporarily closed. We tried to do some to-go measures and things like this, but um, they were not anywhere getting close to sustaining our business. Our landlord there was actually really helpful and gave us good breaks, but we just got to a point that we were like three, four, five months into it. And we just couldn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, And then the same thing was in San Francisco. And unfortunately, our landlord in San Francisco was incredibly difficult to deal with. And we ended up getting into a lawsuit with him and um, settling in a way that was very disadvantageous to Riddler investors in San Francisco. And I personally had to pay many hundreds of thousand dollars thousands of dollars personally to get out of that lease. Um, And so it was a really important moment of resilience. It was also a challenging year for me personally. Um, While we were shutting down our San Francisco location, my husband and I, our home in Healdsburg, which is in Northern California in wine country, um, burnt to the ground in a wildfire. Oh my God. Which was really shocking. So we lost everything we owned. It was crazy. It was crazy. And then my dad passed away. So it was a really, really hard year. And it was very emotional for me to disappoint all of the women who were the investors Mm -hmm. and also to have to lay off 
so many talented employees who lost their jobs because the restaurants were closing. And luckily, the most of our investors, I would say that most of them went through sort of waves of emotion with this. I think it's almost, it's grief, much like someone passing away. Mm-hmm. Of like, you're angry, you're upset, you're in denial, you're looking for solutions, like all of these kinds of things, and then eventually acceptance. And mm-hmm. we're incredibly grateful that two our, our two most significant uh, individual investors at Unfem were our two biggest, our two lead investors in the Riddler. And they've been so, so, so supportive of Unfem. And Unfem has just been growing and growing and doing incredibly well. And then we have many investors from the Riddler who are smaller investors who are on our cap table. Um, and to me, it just shows... But we do have a couple of people who are still upset, which I completely understand. They lost their money and I would probably be upset too. But sure. um, but what it shows to me of the women who have come back to the table who have been really supportive is the importance of community, the importance of support. Um, and it's made me a better founder now in that I am so – I am very, very, very uh, – persistent in my communication with my investor base in this company mm-hmm. to make sure that all of our investors are clued into what's happening in the business and that and we do ask for a lot of help and support and if we were ever to get into a really serious bind I would feel comfortable going to that investor base and saying hey here's a big challenge we're dealing with any thoughts on how we might work through it yeah yeah maybe talk a little bit about um you know, I, I actually find your approach to communicating with your investors both refreshing, but also pretty unusual. Um, you know, everyone communicates with their investors, right? So someone hearing this would say, well, I, you know, I talk to my investors too, but maybe not at the level that you talk to your investors. So if you'll explain with maybe an added level of granularity, just because I think it's unique. It is incredibly important for us. And it's become a ritual that our team actually really enjoys at this point. So we send a monthly investor update that is very thorough. Um, It's evolved over time um, in its format, but now it's a deck um, that we send out in Docsend. People click through to it. And then I send a large summary email detailing um, asks. So right now it's like, hey, if you're doing any corporate gifting for the holidays, use our our concierge. Um, here are discounts and benefits to you. But then there are also big announcements. Like we have a huge partnership with Delta and we just got extended with our Delta partnership through fall of 2025. So that's oh, congratulations. Big, oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's a big piece of news we're sharing. Yeah. Um, so we share like huge wins. We also share a lot of behind the scenes on operations and logistics and supply chain because the wine business is so complicated. And you think that it's like easy and fun to spin up a wine brand or a tequila company, <laughs> like everybody's doing it. And it is a hard business that's heavily regulated. Um, it's not easy to make money and the margins are really tight, all of that kind of stuff. So we like to sort of peel back the layers on that. Yeah. Um, we share, of course, all of the new restaurants and wine shops that we're available in. And we ask our investors to go and shop. We give them discount codes. Um, but we send it on a monthly basis. Um, and I honestly, I hear from investors all the time, oh my gosh, you're the only founder or co-founder of a company that I have ever worked with, including like I'm an LP at, you know, Tiger or something like, <laughs> like you are so communicative and it makes us feel really included and really part, a great part of it. And I will say it has made 
um, fundraising so, so much easier for us than I could possibly imagine. Because every time we do a fundraise, um, our investors know what we've been up to. They are watching our progress. It's almost like building in public, but it's for a smaller group of people. So it's my number one advice that I give to founders now. Um, It takes some discipline to build the time. But now that we have our team put time towards it, it takes them each a couple hours a month. And then it takes me a couple hours a month to get it out. In fact, I'm sending mine out today and I have an hour on my calendar to make sure that it gets out. Um, So I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I know you had a background in public relations. You actually founded and started a PR firm. That was before the Riddler, right? Is that the right timing? That's right. Yep. I, and how did how did that experience of starting a PR firm and running a PR firm how did that inform both your journey into the Riddler and then ultimately into Unfem because these are these are very different businesses and while they share traits and attributes and certainly you're learning things that would be applicable I'm curious as to kind of which pieces were most valuable of those experiences that were transferable Absolutely. I mean, I think the community building aspect is one of the most important pieces. Mm -hmm. So the way that I've always done PR, first of all, I didn't know I was doing PR when I started doing it. Um, What do you mean by that? um, What does that mean? So I like living and working in New York for 10 years, you naturally meet tons of people in the media. I worked for the chef Danielle Ballou on the Upper East Side at Restaurant Danielle and was involved with special projects for him. And so would go to parties with lots of food and restaurant people and, you know, food and wine with her events, Gourmet, the New York Times, et cetera. So you just kind of always be surrounded by members of the media. And really what PR is, is great storytelling and also connecting, um, writers with really great talent Mm -hmm. and um, just really introducing them, maybe giving them a a couple prompts about what makes the story behind this creator really interesting. And then you let them do the work and discover what the story is. Um, And so for, for me, I actually think the way that it informs this business the best is in our sales channel. So I do a lot of founder-led sales, especially partnership-oriented sales with big national um, companies. Some of our biggest national partners are, as I mentioned, Delta Airlines, um, Marriott specifically with their luxury tier, so Ritz-Carlton and St. Regis, um, Neiman Marcus, we're about to do their private label wine. Um, But then we're also at amazing places like Target, aka Target, and... (laughs) And, um, you know, cool, cool spots like that. And so the way that I think about presenting to those buyers is by telling a great story and in doing the cold outreach, we do a lot of cold outreach. It's like sending a really great pitch email in the way Mm -hmm. that you would with PR, but then it's also relationship building in that community over a long period of time, knowing that it takes time and patience to land a great story and a great publication or to get on the by the glass list nationwide at Rick Carlton, like that takes time. Um, and then once you actually land, whether it's the story, the pitch, the sales pitch is showing up as a really good partner. Mm-hmm. So the best publicists not only can send a great cold email to an editor that they open, that they respond to, 
like you have to also be really responsive over email, really helpful, like answer their questions, help them to see how this fits into their publication or their beat or their column that they write. You have to customize things just a little bit so that it's right for that audience. And we do the same thing on the sales side. Like we put together really beautiful presentation decks for all of our partners that are big partners um, to make sure that they can see how it could fit into their wine list. And then we, um, for our big partners, we send quarterly updates essentially showing how we came to the table as a great partner. So we hosted a big holiday event at the Ritz Carlton in Washington, DC. Here are the women who came, here's what they did. Here's all the social media we got out of it. Um, and so it's really about building that long-term relationship, being communicative, being a good partner, but at the core of it, like great storytelling. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, there are a couple of other things that I want to make sure that we touch on that I think are particularly unique to what you're doing. And I think also are sort of an extension of what you just said. And one is this gather guide that I'm going to ruffle around here on my desk and drive people crazy. Um, but it is fantastic. You can see this. My audience cannot see this. But this is a, a little booklet that you guys put together to facilitate conversation. And it you can buy this as part of a package. You can buy Unfem on Jen's website. And it comes with this package. And it has all these really clever, interesting, and creative prompts and quotes to get conversation started. Maybe talk a little bit about why this and how this particular product came to be. Absolutely. So our marketing team put this together as they had a challenge, which was let's figure out a way to build community around this brand in a way that's scalable, that um, is viral, and that is really meaningful to people, that people can make and build um, relationships and memories around. And um, they had done a lot of research into the power of women gathering. And there are all kinds of statistics that show that women getting together, whether it's as a one-off or regularly, um, has incredibly powerful positive impact, not only on themselves, but around the world, on mm. um, economies, on communities, on peace and prosperity, um, all of these kinds of things. And so we are on a mission to get women gathering together. And of course, if they can do it around bubbles, like in our bubbles, that's great. <laughs> and so these gather guides um, have proven to be so impactful. And it's been so fun to see how people have worked with them. Um, and we've had over a thousand women host gatherings around the country. It's amazing. It's so cool. It's so, so, so cool. And it's so fun to see the photos that they post on social and send to us. Um, we've seen women host them um, like with their book groups is a pretty, um, is a pretty frequent one we hear. Of they already get together with these girls, but they maybe don't talk about big topics outside of the book topics or, you know, yeah. just drinking wine, eating cheese. Um, and so some of the prompts are things like what scares you, what keeps you up at night, like what inspires you, what do you want to do next? What do you want to stop doing that you're doing now? Just, you know, these kinds of prompts that um, sometimes can be simple, but are really meaningful when you think about them. Um, we've seen people get together for big dinner parties. We hosted an amazing potluck with Dana Cowan, the former editor-in-chief of Food and Wine. Yeah, who's been on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, she has? Yeah, 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 she has. She's wonderful. We love Dana. She's an investor. She's a longtime investor with both the Riddler and Infem, and she amazing. has been such an amazing part of our community, such an incredible supporter. And she's like at the center of women in food. She's mm -hmm. so cool. Um, 
And we've also done these at big events, at conferences. Um, and we've seen people like do pizza parties. It's, it's really fun. So I would encourage anybody who's listening who wants to get together with their girlfriends, um, please you know, take a look at our website. All Laura will give you a, a promo code that you can share with your audience awesome. um, for a discount on them. And um, they also make for great gifts. They're a really fun gift for somebody who's just gotten engaged because people can use it for a bachelorette party or, um, you know, getting together with your girlfriends or even your mom and your future mother-in-law. And... Um, and they come in a beautiful box. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys, you're so thoughtful with the, every aspect of this, but the packaging is so beautiful. And I remember like the first set, I think you all, you and Whitney sent me, uh, my friend Whitney Wright, who, who who works with you and helped you put together the gather guide, sent me a gratis box in the summer that had two beautiful bottles um, along with the gather guides. And I'm like, this is, it's just so gorgeous. And the coasters, the darling little coasters as well. Yes, with the little sayings on them. No, the whole- Oh yeah, things like parlez-vous champagne and um, <laughs> like, why be still when you can sparkle? You know, cute stuff like that. It's like yeah, party we, in a box. We also try to inflect a sense of humor into all of these things and a little sense of, you know, sparkle and magic. Our, one of our taglines is always sparkling and that's um, for me, it's like, this is a fun way to plus up one of your parties that you're, you know, getting together with girlfriends and, um, to just spark conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Before I let you go, I'd love to ask you, you know, because influence is a topic that we talk about on this podcast and it's something that, you know, everybody has a point of view about what that means. And to me, it's like oftentimes the small the small things that you can do in your life that help you make a connection to, to, to someone else. I'd love for you to maybe give us your, your view on influence from your standpoint, what it means to you. Yeah. I mean, I think we all influence every single person around us. And, um, you know, there's that old saying, um, that you, you can't, be loved until you love yourself. And I really do think that's true. Mm -hmm. I think it all starts with us doing work on ourselves, giving time back to ourselves, especially women. I mean, I feel like this is at this point just cliche and rote and everybody talks about it, but it really is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can feel and see a difference in my own life on days when I wake up early enough to like work in the garden a little bit, make my coffee, like go for a walk, um, like say hello to my husband, you know, simple things like- right saying hello to your spouse <laughs> before you jump on emails. It's, it takes a little more discipline than you think. Um, but especially since we're so into our digital lives at this point, yeah. like taking a moment to be present. I read countless constant uh, books about um, personal well-being, books like Think Like a Monk mm. or Four Agreements or How to Love by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's an amazing um an amazing former monk, he passed away. Um, but those kinds of books, I think, really ground me. But um, when I think about influence, um, some of us have large public platforms where we can speak out on behalf of causes that are really meaningful to us. Um, and some of us don't. But the reality is, is that each of us are affecting one another on a day-to-day -day basis. I choose not to be particularly political. Um, we don't use the company in a particularly political manner, but I find that we um, do a lot of things in support 
of women broadly, mm-hmm. that in and of itself is kind of an act of strength and rebellion and support. Mm-hmm. And um, I know women on both sides of the aisle who I care about deeply, respect deeply, who have small differences of opinions that I think in the media get exploded into these things that feel like they're so massive. Mm-hmm. I think the reality is we're all a lot more similar than we are Amen. different. We want peace and prosperity. We want our families to be happy and healthy. We want to live long, enjoyable lives. And we want to like enjoy seeing neighbors in our community. And we want to see people um, you know, rise up from, from moments of hardship. And um, I... I don't think that we need to uh, use um, divisive ways of influence. I think that we can influence just through positivity and generally helping one another. I love that. It's a perfect message, certainly for the holidays, but it's a perfect message every day of the week. And I I am fully on team, Jen. That is very, very well said. That's that's (laughs) a beautiful articulation. I really love that. I hope that folks will check out Unfem and order it up for their holiday celebrations because it is a great way to ring in the holidays and ring in the new year. Jen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Laura. It has been a real pleasure and um, I'm so happy to get to be here. So thanks so much. Hey friend, as a special treat to you, Jen has generously shared a promo code with you for your next purchase of Unfem. You will find that in the show notes for this episode. Again, it's episode 274. Also, if you are traveling this holiday season, you can enjoy Unfem on all Delta airline flights in the U.S., as well as at Ritz-Carlton Hotels, the St. Regis, JW Marriott, and Autograph Collection. Until next week, you take care. And remember, She Said, She Said podcast is a weekly production of She Said, She Said Media.